0: Save yourself time and finally be able to create a sustainable, profitable business. Let's get into it. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Zero to Hero Coach Program. This is my four month program teaching coaches and online service providers how to grow your online business, book clients consistently overcome your sales fears and finally rock your social media visibility if you struggle to create a sustainable coaching business this program is for you check out com and book your free strategy call with my team or myself today thank you i am live and today we have a special guest we are both know what it's like to feel like you are afraid of sales you maybe have struggled with uh, those moments where you get an objection and you know you can help the person through it, but you don't want to come across as pushy or salesy or weird. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How do you manage that? What do you do? So today I'm here with Chandler and Chandler, I'll let you introduce yourself and what you do, and then we'll dive right in.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast hopefully everybody's excited about this thing and nobody glazes over and falls falls asleep especially while driving and listening or anything like that but my name's Chandler I've owned a I've owned a brick and mortar health and wellness business I also we transitioned and built a fairly large online presence for our health and wellness business and I've been involved in quite a few organizations where sales was obviously one of the most important factors and When I was building, though, one thing I didn't like was most coaches told me, well, you have to be aggressive. You have to assume the sale. You have to tell them Visa or MasterCard before they're even ready. And just never set right with me because me as a person, I was always in. I was in the industry to help people, and so if I had to manipulate people to help people, it kind of felt like the polar opposite of what I even wanted to do. And so after somewhere around three or four thousand sales conversations with people, I kind of just uncovered and looked back at what I was doing, and we had a new system that we kind of call Compassion Conversations, where we can sell without the uh, without it feeling like we're in a sales environment.
0: Yeah, and really, to me, the way I see sales is looking out for solutions for somebody. And if it doesn't make sense, then you're not going to have the sale and that's, you need to be okay with that. And I love the way you said compassionate conversations. I call it conversational marketing instead of quote unquote, like direct sales or, you know, like what some of the more aggressive terms are for it. So tell us a little more about what would an outline or a, um, you know, a way of compassionate conversations go instead of the typical, you know, okay, so you have to pay on the end of this call. I need to know, we need a decision. Like, tell me what the difference is and what that looks like.
1: Yeah, so basically in Compassion Conversations, we have three tenets. The first one that is arguably the most important is detaching from the need to sell. And I know this can be challenging for some people, but it puts a lot of pressure on you. So when you get on the conversation, and I know in the marketing world, especially the high-ticket world, there's this thought that you have to close people on in one phone call. And so if we can detach from the need to sell and remove the idea of the need for the one call close environment, we remove the pressure off the person to make the sale and then it becomes easier. And it's with people and you look at the way people psychologically work, when you lean out, they lean in. But when you're leaned in and you've got commission breath and you need that sell, well, they lean out because they have the power now. And, And so that's the first tenet. The second tenet is, establishing what we call the art of cognitive questioning. And so when you look at people who are trained questioners, who are good at asking questions in like the, let's talk about like the talk therapy world, their job isn't to tell people what to do. Their job isn't to be aggressive with people. It's to ask good questions, to connect the dots to the past, to be able to uncover why someone hasn't been successful, reframe the problem to a much, the much bigger problem at hand, and help someone recognize and realize what's really going on. And when you put someone in that kind of state, all you have to ask is like, well, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do from now, from here? And they say, well, can I sign up? Well, can I do this thing? What does it look like? They start leaning in because we asked and we're capable of of asking powerful questions. And then the last thing we look is is the art of the challenging leader. And so what that means is when you're in the conversation with someone and someone says things like, well, you know, and well, I, hold on, I, I don't think I really know. Can, can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean? So I want to challenge people, but I also want to drop my tone and make sure I'm doing it more subtly and not aggressive. Because if someone said, well, you know, oh, I, I don't know. What do you mean? That sounds terrible. Uh, So I want to make sure that if someone says something I don't understand, or if someone says something that sort of disconnects what we've already uncovered, I need to call back to that and ask them questions about it. So it can remove a lot of the inconsistencies in in people's stories. Uh, Most of the time, people don't know there's inconsistencies in their stories. And so if you can help establish and create that you establish and create credibility as a leader.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I was just talking about the nitty gritty about not needing it to be a one call close yesterday when I had a group call. And Um, I think a lot of coaches think like, no, you you know, it's a one and done thing or they feel put so much, like you said, pressure on themselves. So I love the way that you framed those three tenets that are really important. And um, when it comes to asking good questions or, um, you know, being conversational, being of support to the person, I think, you know, naturally to me, I, I see it as it's kind of like coaching, because coaching is asking good questions, helping somebody see the possibilities, you know, that kind of thing. But a lot of people don't naturally, they're not able to come up with the questions on the spot, or they feel like, I don't know how to, um, what I should do. And in this scenario, when somebody says it's too expensive, but they really want to do it. So what would you say are some specifics, like give an example, maybe of a common thing that comes up and how to how do you have compassion around it and what to say? Because, and obviously, I know you can't have a pre recorded script or, you know, whatever in certain situations, but I do think people just naturally, some people do. I've been like a actress slash improv slash, you know, performer slash conversational person since I was born. So naturally, and then same with coaching, like been coaching for a long time, but newer people, they struggle with this. So how do you naturally, start to gain that skill set, you know?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And so I think one of the most challenging things is people think they need to come up with like these magical questions or these like these hard hitting things. But in reality, it starts off simple. And so there's there's a technique in, in a cognitive behavior therapy called the downward arrow technique. And so if someone says, well, I don't feel well. Well, that's interesting. So my process is stroke their ego, validate their concern. Well, 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 that's super interesting what do you mean by not feeling well? So I didn't have to ask a crazy, intricate question. All I needed to do was dig deeper into what they said. Because when you look at becoming a cognitive questioner, there's an external statement people give, and then there's an internal belief. So we need to take that external statement and chip away at it to uncover the internal belief to get to a point where we can establish what the pain point is, what is going on in the past, what the triggers are. And so it starts with, say someone says, well, I think it's too expensive. And yeah, it, it might be. It, it probably is too expensive for a lot of people. Uh, so what, what do you mean by by too expensive, though? I don't have to ask them anything crazy or, or off the wall, and then they're going to tell me, well, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well well, that makes sense. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you just said with this? So what am I doing? Well, I'm just asking them why, and I'm asking them why repeatedly in different ways based on what they said so I can get deeper into what the root cause of the problem is.
0: Right. Yeah. And I love that. And I think notice you didn't throw 12 questions in there at once. You just said, can you tell me what that means? And you're really trying to help un- and, and understand where they're coming from, what their situation is so that you're better equipped to help or make a recommendation that, you know what, this isn't for you or this is for you or I have another idea or whatever. Right. Um, and I love Dan Sullivan's like, I guess, definition of sales. It's It's getting somebody intellectually and emotionally engaged in something that is a solution for them and i think part of that sentence that's important is a solution that is i I forgot part of it is good for them (laughs) so (laughs) you can't necessarily know what's good for somebody until you talk with them and dive deeper with these questions and that kind of thing and and what they based on what they share with you but let's say somebody's like on the phone with you they say it's expensive but then you get down to the root cause and they're just scared. They're just scared because it's a risk, you know. I am putting money into myself. I've never done this before. How do you what give some examples of what you might do with that kind of situation?
1: Yeah, so I think once we uncover what's going on and we decide and we figure out that it's fear, it's an it's a usually a matter of vulnerability. So what I like to do is I like to call to that vulnerability. Like, Hey, I just like to pause for a moment and I just want to congratulate you and, and appreciate you for even being here. I want to respect you for being vulnerable with me and let you know that the people who did the most challenging things in the world, they probably got a little bit vulnerable too. Would you agree? And then, yeah. And, and I think that's just, that's a part of success or not. And we can choose to be a little vulnerable, make the time or, chances are a lot of people who don't, well, they live with regret. And, and at the end of the day, money comes and goes. We, Money gets replenished, but you know what you never get back is time. And so I think in those situations, when you uncover fear as the result, you have to move into, you have to reframe the thought pattern into a pattern of, look, it's not you might be a little bit afraid and I respect the vulnerability that you're experiencing, but the the biggest thing that we lose here is time. So we move away from that and move into another thought and I think that's a pretty powerful way to essentially move around and help someone when you decide they need to be helped. And obviously, people could get manipulated with that. But I think you have to make that decision with yourself and say, hey, can I help this person? Are they in a position to where they can make a, a rational decision? And if yes, then I can move forward and I can work past these thoughts and I can reframe them into new be- belief patterns.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I I see all this as like, I don't want to give up on someone, meaning not in a creepy, manipulative way, but like if somebody says they have a dream, they've been working towards it. They know that, you know, they've, they've failed and tried some things and really just want support. I, I don't want to, I, I'm like, I see it as I don't want them to leave without feeling like, well, I'm still in the same position so finding some kind of solution is important to me. And like, to me, that's helped me in sales because naturally I just don't see it as, I got to close the sale. Like my view is a little different and I don't see it as I'm convincing them or asking them or taking from them money. I see it as I want part to partner with them. I want to find, you know, help them find what they need. I want to do these things, right? So um, a lot of people though, see it as like, I don't feel right taking money from people or I don't. who am I to be charging high ticket? So how do you handle some of our own coach beliefs, like coaches who have these beliefs about money or their own things blocking them that are coming into these conversations that they're having about sales with somebody else? How do you start to work through those?
1: Yeah, I think part of that is becoming is in, in your own ability to become what we call the challenging leader. And so if someone says, well, I don't know if I give enough value, and it's well, well, what do you do? Well, I, I do this and this. And, and what's the end result? Let's like take weight loss, for an example. Uh, well, I help people lose weight or, or and remove depression and negative thoughts. Okay, do, do you think that's a, a, a pretty powerful thing to solve? Well, yeah, well, and so if you think it is, then why would that not be worth the money to change someone's life? And so I think when people have those thoughts, it's our responsibility to step into it and ask them questions and then sort of help them reframe the way they think and feel about it. And if someone consistently goes to like the negative, well, I'm just not good at it. Well, I'm just never going to be good about it. Well, I just can't do it. Then it's like, well, well, let's, let's look at scenarios here. So I like to move into a three scenario thing and where, where we go, okay, well, Tell me, what do you think the, the worst that could happen? Like, what if everything went wrong and what you're predicting went, went, was true? What would happen? Well, this and this. Okay, well, what's the best scenario? What do you think? Like, if sunshine and gumdrops and unicorns were in the sky, what would happen? Ah, oh, well, this. Okay, well, now let's talk about the probable scenario. What do you think between those two things is likely to happen? And so you establish the worst, which is where their brain always goes. Then you establish the best, which is where all of a sudden it shifts a little bit. Then you establish the probable scenario, which puts them in a mindset to where, okay, well, maybe it's not that bad.
0: Yeah, that is fantastic advice. And most, you're right, most people just think about the worst and get dwelled <laughs> up in that. Um, and I think also when it comes to the value you provide, you want to get yourself to a place where you do feel like you are selling something that's immensely valuable for a either for a bargain. I mean, really, like I think of it as in order to feel confident at sales, it's easy to sell something that's an amazing offer. You don't want to discount yourself. I always say add more value to it if you want to charge more, right? But you do have to feel good about it. And I think where the the core, the problem is for a lot of coaches is they don't feel super good about what they're offering right now. They don't like going back to the good enough thing. I don't think it's good enough yet. I don't think I'm good enough. I think I need more things in it. I think I need more certifications. I think I am not enough. I think that the person's not going to like this, whatever, right? So any tips when it comes to kind of how do you increase your value mindset as a, as a coach?
1: Yeah, I think you have to adopt the mindset of mastery. And so when you see the people who are the best at what they do, they jumped into it in an imperfect way. And so I think you have to embrace the human condition of imperfection and say, look, this thing's never going to be perfect. Look, I'm never going to know everything. Look, I'm never going to have enough certifications, but I know enough to get this thing started. I know enough to change someone's life. I know enough to get people on board and help them create change and learn from that process. I think the thing that helps you the most in learning this stuff is not certifications. It's not reading books. Obviously, that stuff's important, but it's practice. It's becoming an art in the practice of doing what you're doing. The reason I've uncovered it and built this sales system is because I did like three or 4,000 sales calls. I didn't learn it from a book. I didn't learn it from a certification. I just went back to the drawing board and in my own madness, created it myself. And so I think that's what we have to learn is you get better by doing. And if you never do, you never get better.
0: Yep. The process of success is literally go out, do something, fail at it, try it again fail that again, try it again, fail it, it, tweak it, et cetera, until you succeed. That's it. So when people are afraid to make those failures because they're perfectionists or they think it's not ready yet or whatever, you're never going to get there because you're always going to be in this little learning bubble and thinking you need to keep learning, keep doing certifications, doing all these things and never explore out of that. And I think I just was writing an email about this and um, for those of you who listen to the podcast, very exciting emails coming out in the new year, just a whole new nurture sequence about how to book your first high ticket clients, how to hit your first 10K month. So if you're not on the list, you can go to HaleyRowe.com to grab that, my free niche marketing training and those emails. But the point I was trying, saying in my email was I see you know somebody as if they're a perfectionist and they're not putting their stuff out there they are number one, doing a disservice to people who might need them at the stage they're at. So maybe they're not the perfect coach yet, but maybe they are a couple steps ahead of their client or something like that. And they can help people. So, so almost like a disservice, they're hiding somebody else's that person who they could have helped is going to go to someone else who maybe was better at marketing and who got out there sooner and whatever, and maybe not even the best fit for that person. And then the second thing is, um, Perfectionist and waiting and and thinking you're not enough is almost like an indulgent emotion, and it it just um, is procrastinating. And I don't see that as a win. I don't, protecting yourself from any failures or losses is not a win. It's procrastinating. So you have to go out there and fail. I'm much more going to bet my money if I'm going to invest in a business on somebody who's gone out there and tried things and failed and you know put themselves out there than the person who's still perfecting and learning and you know, has never done anything out in the real arena. I'm not going to want to bet on that business. Right. So um, what, what if somebody says at the end of the call on a sales call? Hey, this sounds cool. I really need to think about it. What do you do then?
1: Yeah. And I think part of not getting, I want to think about it and some of these these objections, we call it the no objection, objection handling sequence, where we handle them in discovery. And so I want to think about it typically comes from a poor discovery process of not being able to ask the right questions and not challenging uncertainty. Because when we look at it at the end of the day, I want to think about it as uncertainty. And where does uncertainty come from? Someone that's not certain that you can solve their problem. And it sounds simple, but when you're in your discovery process and someone's sort of paying attention, you, you ha- if, and if they're not paying attention, you have to call to that. If someone says, hey, I, I, I like this or I think I like it. Well, wait, wait, you think? What do you, what do you mean by that? And so we have to challenge them every step of the way if they get shifty or if we think that they might not be interested. And then we have to be able to pitch specifically what they need so if some we write down notes on on exactly what they said and then okay hey because you said this we're going to do that because you said this well maybe this will work because you said this well then this will probably work and so what i say in that environment is only pitch what they need nothing more nothing less you often see people who are like, well, here's what we're going to give you. We're going to give you the the weight loss plan. We're going to give you a water bottle. We're going to throw in a, a wild boar. We're going to give you the kitchen sink, this beanie, 14 notebooks, and a one-year subscription to this magazine. And people are like, I don't need any of that. All I wanted was the nutrition stuff. So then all of a sudden, well, I need to think about it. It's just too much. So in the higher ticket world, we have to be able to pitch them specifically what they need. And then we need to challenge them on whether or not they need it. So, hey, you need a, this, 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 this. Okay, do you think that might possibly help you? Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Well, well, well why, why do you think so though? What, what makes this something that you might need? What we ask them those questions, so they have to sell themselves continuously on why they have a need for what we're doing. And if they don't, well, then we just uncover we have a prospect who's not a good fit for what we're doing. So then if we do all that perfectly, and then we still get I want to think about it at the end, I usually just I call to it, we ask questions, we uncover it, we discover the uncertainty, figure out if it's fear, vulnerability or need or, or where it is. And then we work to navigate and, and mitigate the objection in a subtle and compassionate way. So it's like, hey, yeah, I get it. There's kind of a lot to, to unpack here. And and so when, when you say, I want to think about it, just tell me a little bit about what you mean, like what's going on there. Make them, well, I, I'm just not sure, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah, I, I totally get it. And we keep asking questions and we keep digging deeper into it. And we keep uncovering what the core root of the problem is. And when you look at like talk therapy, cognitive behavior therapy, we need to understand the core belief. And so when we get objections like that, If we've done everything perfectly and they still come up, we have to be able to uncover the core belief. And then once we uncover the core belief, we can work to move past it and we can overcome it or we can say, hey, look, sounds like you do need to think about it. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on in your head. So why don't we do this? I'm going to send you a little bit of homework. I want you to do that. Send the homework to me. I'll review it, see how it went. And then maybe we can connect next week or something. Not really to, to ask you to buy anything, but just see where your head's at and so we have to shift into hey i want to you to do homework and i want you to think about it and away from hey let's just reschedule in a couple of days uh, because if you just tell them to reschedule and you don't do anything else they're going to think you're going to try to sell them and they're not going to show up to the second call
0: mm-hmm. yeah definitely great tips and it gets somebody more ready and an example of value if you give them a little homework assignment type of thing and i love what you said about don't you don't need to share just because you have a ton of stuff that's random doesn't mean it adds more value and that they're going to be overwhelmed just by hearing that. So and I the last thing I want to point out is you do a lot of permission based and qu- like check ins with somebody. So you're never just feeding them information and be like, here's what you need. Here's what you need to do. Here's what we're going to do. You are saying. Does that sound like it would be a value to you? If not, why not? What is missing out of what I just shared? Like you're really diving into that so you understand the person and what they need. And I'm sure a lot of salespeople who they've talked to on calls don't ask them that. And so you're going to naturally stand out because I've been on sales calls and I'm sure you have too with people who I'm just like, I got to go like this is, I am, please stop, (laughs) right? Um, But you know, everybody has their, their method, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah. so I love what you're saying. And Chandler, let everybody know where they can connect with you and uh, learn more about what you do.
1: Yeah. So I have a a framework for this process. We call it the nine step framework to compassion conversations. You can get that at nine step dot cultureofcare.life, so it's .life, not .com, and you'll basically sign up for it, and it'll send you to our our Facebook group, where there's like 500 other trainings in there, but the big one is the Nine-Step Framework to Compassion Conversations. Just go to 9step.cultureofcare.life to get it.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and I can't wait to be on your podcast as well, and tell everybody the title of that.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we're going to bring Haley on my podcast, which is called The Culture of Care Show, Everything we do is centered around care and taking care of people. So we'll go drop some knowledge bombs on there and take over the world.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And if you liked it and want to reserve your very own free sales audit, go to HaleyRowe.com slash strategy hyphen call to book your very own free sales audit on the call we'll talk more about the common concerns you get from your ideal clients how to overcome those concerns how to coach through objections how to change your mindset around sales and improve your sales process so you can be closing and converting more clients i can't wait to connect with you and go to haileyrow.com/slash strategy hyphen call to take the first step Thanks so much. Have a good day.